Hello everyone, this is Berkay from D2C Wheel. D2C Wheel is an online community where we talk about direct-to-consumer brands, technologies and everything in the D2C space. Before jumping into the episode, I just wanted to tell you more about the weekly newsletter we have just started. By subscribing to it on d2cwills.com newsletter, you'll have an access to exclusive tips from successful D2C entrepreneurs, weekly insights from the industry and a vibrant community of D2C experts. You can find the link for subscribing to it in the description of this episode. So without further ado, let's continue with our chat. Hello everyone. In today's episode, we are together with Ahmed El Saadi, CEO of Ozarki, the modern minimalist living brand focusing on home design. So hey Ahmed, it's a great pleasure to have you here at our podcast studio. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you for having me on this podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's a great pleasure to have you. Ahmed, where are you dialing from? We are located in Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. Great. And like Ahmed, I have more questions about the brand that you have built, Ozarki. But before that, would you like to give me a quick like in, info about how you, what were you doing before founding your own brand? Yeah. So uh, before I started Ozarki, I worked at a multinational oil and gas company called uh, yeah. SLB. I spent about 11 years at this company working in various roles uh, within supply chain, uh, sales, IT, finance. And uh, I started Ozarki in the middle of the pandemic in 2020. Yeah. Um, we're working from home at that time. So I had a little bit of time on my hands. So kind of it was something that I always, I've always wanted to get into. So I've decided to kind of explore some options, watch some videos online, uh, to yeah. kind of learn a little basic, uh, you know, introduction into e-commerce. And then I uh, picked up from there and uh, took off. And as far as I understood, you didn't have any prior experience in the direct-to-consumer field or e-commerce whatsoever, right? No, it's my first time, actually. I learned on the job. You learned on the job and you watched some videos, you read stuff. And you were ready. So Ahmed, like, how did you decide on such a huge career move from corporate gas industry to DTC? So it was kind of a gradual move. So when I was working at the SLB, I was working full time um, mm. and I was working from home a lot of times. So I had time on my hand to start building the business mm. and I uh, got to a point where I kind of needed some help. So I started hiring uh, people to help me with the to help me grow the business and organize it properly. And when it was time that the business was producing uh, enough revenue to cover whatever salary I was getting from that company, yeah. I was like, you know what? It is time to make that move and just go and explore how I can make this company successful by being present full time with my team. So um, it took some time. So it wasn't like just uh, one day I just woke up and, you know, I was like, I'm going to make the jump. No, it took some time. I built the company a little bit first. And then after that, I made the jump and quit my job and to focus on this full time. And how long did this process take? Uh, from the moment I started the company until I quit, it was almost a year and a half, I would say. Mm. In a year and a half, you were ready to make the jump, right? Yes. In a year and a half, it was uh, kind of good enough for me to start, uh, you know, making the move into running my own business. I understand. So would you like to tell us more about what you guys are doing at Ozarki? Like, what are your products? What do you do? Would you like to tell us more? Yeah, absolutely. So Ozarki was founded on uh, one uh, mission only, which is to focus on uh, modern designs, but keep it minimal as much as possible. 
that's why in, in most of our packaging, you know, we have minimalist modern designs because that's what we like uh, our company uh, to be known for. Um, so we've experimented with a couple of products uh, to see what works in the market. And uh, we landed on the lighting category at the beginning. And then from there, we saw opportunities in other categories as well, such as uh, wall panels and the wall slats and uh, large chandeliers as well. And recently, we entered the furniture uh, space with a small, uh, small intro, but we're experimenting to see what works. And we hope to expand that collection as well. I understand. And what were the initial data that made you believe there was a market for these sort of products? <clears throat> Um, various uh, things. So mostly customers, actually. We, we've captured a lot of feedback from customers um, regarding specific designs or specific products. And, um, you know, once we start collecting that information from customers, realize, okay, there's a lot of opportunities there to explore. So we just needed to have the right strategy, figure out exactly what products works best for the market and slowly start, start introducing uh, products that we think our customers were like, because our customer base is very unique. It's a, uh, it's a combination of, you know, your regular customer, you know, direct to consumer, but we also have a large, um, we have a large uh, amount of people who are in the interior design space. Um, mm. So, um, yeah. So we work with a lot of interior designers, developers as well. So uh, we start to kind of focus a little bit more on the commercial side of it, just because we saw a huge opportunity there. I see. So how did you start then? How did you get connected with all those interior designers? How did you build your community, your customers? Um, <clears throat> it was mainly through great customer service. So at the beginning, I was managing the whole business from A to Z. Um, you know, I was managing customer service, supply chain, um, you know, product development. Um, so I'm managing everything from A to Z. And because I got to interact with customers directly, it kind of helped me focus on or narrow down the focus on what would work with, with these kind of customers. And uh, because they loved my customer service, you know, as a business owner, when you're involved in customer service, you give it your all, right? You, you, yeah. you, you have to sell. <laughs> yeah. So I put on my, my sales hat and, and, you know, anytime I interacted with the interior designer, they had a very positive experience and they mm -hmm. ended up, uh, you know, spreading the word to other interior designers who came to us and, and realized that we have a nice collection of products. And then they love how easy we make it, uh, you know, for those community, for that community, interior designer community, that is. Um, and, you know, we have a trade program available, which, you know, we get a couple of signups per day. With that, and that, that's been working great for us as well, um, you know, to offer the interior community, uh, interior design community discounts, um, mm -hmm. you know, that's standard in, in their industry. So we kind of make it attractive to them. So we make the process very, very easy from A to Z. And, and they love working with us. And, you know, it just pretty much spreading the word as well as, you know, investing in the right marketing techniques to make sure we capture, um, you know, uh, the, the, the kind of clients that we want coming to Ozarki. I understand. So customer uh, service was the name of the game for you. But how did you... Sorry, go ahead. You were going. To yeah, say yeah, no, absolutely. I was just saying, customer service is really, really important. Uh, just because uh, we've seen it with multiple different uh, brands in the space that we're in, whether they're small or, or large corporations who've been in the business for you know ten plus years, uh, mm -hmm. their focus on customer service is not up to par. 
And you see like, you know, a lot of bad reviews online um, on, on most brands that are in the home space, the home decor space or home goods space. And so we try to make sure that every customer that interacts with us is very happy. Even sometimes we have to bend our policy to make sure that the customers get what, you want, what they want. So we're, mm -hmm. yes, we do have a solid policy in place, but we also like to bend it for specific customers just to make sure they're happy with, the, with their interaction with our company. I understand. So it was like pretty important in the very beginning, the customer service, right? Can you give us some tips for a successful customer service? I think uh, for customer service, the most important thing is, is quick responses, whether it's a phone mm -hmm. call, a chat session or an email. Um, I think customers, when they're asking questions nowadays, you know, most people are lack patience and they want to know the answers yeah. right away they want to make sure you know so they want to know all the details that they have about specific products they want to know the answers right on the spot so i made a habit uh between me and my team uh to make sure that when customers interact with us we give them the right answers the right uh, answer their questions quickly just that way we can move on with the process and convert them into into sales you know um anytime a customer comes in the chat ask for a question about a product, this customer is ready, almost almost ready to buy, you just maybe missing some information or need some clarification yeah. on things, or maybe the information is there, but it was just, may, they missed it on, on the product page. So I make sure that the customer service team is very knowledgeable of all our products and specs to make sure they answer questions right on the spot. But at the very beginning, it was just you answering the customer's like forms and questions, right? It was just me, that's correct. It's a one-man game. Uh, like, I understand the customer service was the name of the game for you, but initially, how did you came up with the um, with the products that you have now? How did you handle the design process? How did you create such a unique and minimal list brand? So, <clears throat> originally, we were not designing. So, originally, we were just, um, you know, finding products on the market that... Um, has not made it to Amazon yet because you know like any product that makes it to Amazon it becomes you get various versions of it and the prices start to go down as more competition come in and introduce the same product again and again and again so we try to stay away from that and, and pick products that we think are unique um, mm -hmm. so that that was the original plan is to we contacted multiple multiple manufacturers um, you know asked about what are some of their product selection uh, can you show us your catalogs and we selected a few products at the beginning to test with to see what would work in the market and after we gained a little bit of experience we've expanded into uh, designing our own products hmm. and at the moment how do you take care of sourcing the products and designing the products at the same time how does the process of sourcing your products look like yeah, so um, let's talk about uh, from design until um, we introduce the product to the market. It takes about six months total, um, we just mm -hmm. because once you design uh, a specific product, and, and let's just you know take a lamp for an example. Uh, for example, um, mm -hmm. the design usually is, takes about three, four revisions until we land on the final piece that we think would be successful for, for the market. And then from there, we hand over the information to the manufacturers, uh, our manufacturers, uh, to see how or how they can produce it with uh, with having cost in mind, but also making sure the quality is up to par. You know, quality and price is very important to the market. And that's why recently we've been introducing a lot of items that are lower cost as we learned 
uh, you know, from consumer behaviors, as well as as we have more experience now in the manufacturing process, we know where we can um, add value in the product and making sure the price still goes down. So um, from there, after we uh, we introduce a design to the manufacturer and the manufacturer designs a sample, sends us a sample, review it, provide feedback, send it back, send another sample. So it goes through around three or four sampling times until we land on the final winning product. And then from there, that's when we're ready to introduce it. We start the mass production. We start the marketing campaign. We start uh, creating the marketing material, product pages, and then um, launch the product when it's, when it's ready. I understand. So after you actually design a product and it's on your website, like what are the channels that sales channels that you're using the most? Like your website is there. Are you also selling on other platforms or do you do retail, wholesale? Yes, we do a combination of all. Um, our, our website is still kind of the main driver for, for our business, mm -hmm. but we also have a lot of different channels that we sell on. Um, Walmart, uh, Wayfair, Amazon, those are various platforms that we're on. Uh, we're expanding into a few more platform over a few more platforms over the next few weeks. Um, we'll announce it in, in the right time. Yeah, great. Nice to hear that. So like, what is the difference between selling in online channels on your platform, on your website, on your Amazon against selling through big guys like Walmart? What, what is the difference? So uh, we, we, we do not work with the wholesale team at Walmart. We're in more in the marketplace in Walmart, right? Um, mm. So it's kind of similar to Amazon. Um, mm, you okay. offer the product on, on sale. Um, you do a little bit of advertising to test it, to see you know how it performs. Yeah. <laughs> and um, as you gain more customer knowledge, you start reducing the spend slowly because now the product becomes a little bit more popular, it gets more clicks, so automatically start ranking higher. So we do invest heavily in, in marketing early on, advertising that is paid ads. And then later on, we kind of start to slow it down and allocate that budget to new products that we try to introduce. I understand. And as far as I see, you receive orders from many different channels like Amazon, your website, Walmart, everything. So how do you take care of the order management side of the things? Are you using any tools for that or is it just an in-house system that you have built? No, so we've, we've gone through multiple different systems, um, but definitely having a central inventory management system is key to managing you know, all these different platforms, right? It becomes very, very hectic to manage your inventory when you're working with various platforms. So we have right now, we're in the middle of introducing a new system. Um, it's called the Fishable Warehouse Management and Inventory. This is to replace the current system that we have been using for the last year, which is uh, called Zoho Inventory. Um, there's a lot of bit, a lot of challenges using Zoho, so we decided to move forward and upgrade to Fishbowl. It's uh, it's quadrupled the price, but the value added from that system is is great. And uh, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in in supply chain uh, department at, at SLB when I was working there, so I have very good knowledge in, in system implementation as well as the the process of uh, inventory management and warehouse management. So that, that experience has kicked in as we're implementing the new system. And, you know, it's been great to have the experience to kind of make sure the system is built to, uh, to be to, to customized to fit the business needs. I understand. And like, do you have, like, do you still uh, face any issues in like matching orders, attributing them to different channels? Do you still like having any issues in that perspective? 
No, I think that has gone down a lot. Uh, early on, we've definitely had a lot of issues. Um, SKUs or UPC codes are not linked properly. Uh, miss ships to customers, customer receiving the wrong order. You know, um, so we did invest a lot of time early on to make sure the systems are correct to avoid those kind of issues. Um, and that's why right now we're transitioning into Fishbolt just because um, the current system that we have um, is not really up to par and where we want it to be. There's a lot of, you know, sometimes creates discrepancy in the system. So we want to make sure that it's, uh, it's the, the new system that we're, we're building fits exactly what we need. And then we have confidence in, uh, in Fishbowl and the, their implementation team. They're, they're helping us. Um, it's usually about a six-week implementation cycle. So we just kicked this off uh, last week, and we're in the middle of that implementation. I understand. Uh, like so, the systems you're using are they adjusted to forecast the net, like future demands coming in like different days, like Black Friday or something? Yes, yes, absolutely. So that's also uh, why it helps that I have supply chain experience. You know, my yeah. my uh, my college background is actually supply chain. So um, yeah. and I worked I worked in forecasting uh, and demand planning at SLB for for a while and you know at slb we're handling budgets from 20 30 to up to 50 million dollars to spend uh, mm -hmm. so um i gained that experience and, and now i'm applying the same same thing that i've learned from from this large corporation i'm applying the same methods here um so we do imp we have implemented uh sales and operations planning to make sure mm -hmm. that we uh not only cover the execution cycle, which is the, uh, you know, the order fulfillment, but also to focus on long-term trends as well as long-term forecasts. So our forecast cycle right now, we're only focusing on six months out, but we plan to expand that next year to one year. Mm, well, that's nice. So you do design a product, you put it on your website, you put it on different platforms and you do receive like orders from various platforms. How do you take care of the afterwards, you know, how do you take care of logistics, shipment, everything? Yeah, so we do have a, a warehouse team. Um, so we have the uh, warehouse associates, the warehouse manager. Um, mm -hmm. We have the fulfillment team as well. So um, these guys are the ones focusing to make sure that all orders go out on time. So our goal mm -hmm. is to ship every order within 24 hours. Once we receive the order, we make sure it's shipped next day, except on weekends. Um, and the team also have, um, you know, a process in place to make sure that no orders slip through the cracks, right? We have two meetings a week um, to review any open orders and to make sure that those get shipped out in time in case we miss anything. We do advertise on our website. The lead time is a little bit longer than what we, uh, that what we have just because we want to make sure that we're on the safe side so that we customers don't complain about our mm -hmm. payment time, you know? We'll leave room for error. I understand. So do you do international shipment as well, or is it just domestic shipments? We do some international shipment. Um, it's not it's not a huge portion of our business, but we planned uh, after the, this holiday season, we plan to expand internationally uh, right. to kind of focus on spending advertising, uh, to spend more money on advertising in, in different markets. Um, UK, uh, Australia, France, Germany, those are gonna be the, the, one of the yeah. top markets that we're gonna enter. Um, we do get some international orders, like I said, but this is without any investment in marketing at the moment. I understand. Like some of the products on your website, they look very heavy. And how do you take care of the shipment for those sort of products if you receive any order? Yeah, so um, that, that will probably create a little bit of complications for, uh, for international orders. 
But mm. for U.S. orders, for example, uh, we have a contract with XBO, which is a LT, LTL uh, company. Um, mm. You know, they come pick up the products. It's usually four to five days delivery, and it's uh, via truck. They come pick it up on the truck, okay. deliver it to the customer on the truck. That's what we have set up today. Uh, for international orders, we plan to um, invest in having uh, the right logistics because um, you know some of these heavy, heavy <coughs> items or heavy products um, does not go on a, on a plane. So we're going to have extended lead time for those kind of products for international uh, customers. And we plan to do that via either sea freight or, or some kind of freight method. Or we'll possibly we'll, we'll explore also positioning uh, more warehousing in, throughout the world as well. Mm. So like what are the in Europe or in Australia, different parts of the world, what, what will be the location of that new warehouse? So we have tested with a 3PL company in, in, in London and uh, that kind of worked out well. So we might expand mm -hmm. on that or, uh, you know, for, for example, for Australia, that's going to be a little bit tricky. So we may have to have a, um, a warehouse in Australia, but the UK was one um, and maybe we'll explore an option to open up one in Australia. Yeah, I understand. So throughout your entire supply chain, I know you mentioned that you build a great system that is working greatly for you. Uh, I know you, ha you said you had problems in the past, but now you overcome them. But what is the biggest pain points in this entire process? Uh, the biggest pain point in the entire process is, uh, is making sure um, everything is accurate because <laughs> Yeah. You know, mistakes can happen all the time, especially when you're labeling products. If you label the wrong uh, barcode in the product, that can create many, many issues throughout the supply chain. And we've seen that in the past where, um, you know, where the, the, the labeling happened, but um, was not done according to our process. And we see this from manufacturers as well, where they can sometimes mix and match products, but they forget to update the barcode. And that has created some issues in the past, but we have now a solid process in place to uh, ensure that doesn't happen again. I understand. So it looks like one good solid uh, supply chain process. So let me now ask you about your marketing and social media side, because this is the part that is bringing the revenue, right? So you are very active on social media, as far as I saw. You are on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Pinterest, correct me if I'm mistaken. And I saw you are regularly producing content for these platforms. You're using it very actively. So are you on social media for creating awareness or more like converting sales to those platforms? Yeah, so our social media presence is to increase our organic traffic, right? Mm. So that's what we focus on. Uh, we do, you know, we do a lot of uh, paid media advertising on, um, you know, Facebook, Google, uh, mm -hmm. Pinterest, uh, we're experimenting a little bit on LinkedIn as well. Um, mm -hmm. So we do advertise, but the 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 whole idea of us posting on social media and making sure we have the right content is to increase awareness of our brand and bring in more organic traffic. Um, nice. That's it's a very very tricky uh, thing to manage because you know getting organic traffic is very very hard, or, or actually like gaining a large amount of followers. It's it's very, very hard, requires a lot of work, requires patience, requires time, requires testing different methods. So we're constantly in the testing phase all the time just to make sure to test to see what works, what doesn't work and try to improve on that. I understand. So you said you're using a lot of paid advertisements. On which platforms are you using paid ads? 
So right now we're on uh, Meta, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, we've got uh, Pinterest as well. Mm. Uh, Google is one of our biggest ones as well. Um, and uh, we just started to test on uh, LinkedIn. I understand. So which one of those bringing the most revenue, most people, most traffic? It has to be Google, definitely. Google. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Like I heard from many entrepreneurs that like, for instance, Pinterest is bringing the traffic like, and you have to like connect with your customers in multiple touch points. Pinterest is bringing the uh, traffic and Facebook, Instagram is making the sales. Is it also the case for you or is it just mostly Google? Um, it, it varies. So we advertise the same products on multiple different platforms and mm. we, you know, we find that, uh, specific products does well on Facebook, specific products does better on Google. You know, it depends really on the product. So mm. it's, it's a testing game. Anytime we launch a new product, when, when we are introducing the, uh, the paid media advertising for it, uh, you know, we test it in multiple different platforms. And then when we see something that sticks, that works, we turn up the spend mm. on that platform and reduce it in somewhere else. I understand. Uh, so you mentioned that you are like testing on LinkedIn. You're currently on D2C, right? And are you also planning to go to B2B? Yes, yes. So on LinkedIn, that's the whole idea of, um, you know, like I said earlier in the call, we're focusing a lot on uh, our B2B channels. So we want to make sure we increase our commercial presence. And, and the best way to kind of, uh, you know, invite some of the people that we think would be attracted to our brand um, mm -hmm. is on LinkedIn, just because the way it's segmented, the kind of targeting you can do on LinkedIn based on job code, mm -hmm. all that stuff. So that has helped uh, a little bit. We're still in that testing phase. We just literally just started doing this a few weeks back. So it's still early on to tell the results, but um, we're excited about that. I understand. And I'm asking this because I'm really not familiar with the LinkedIn advertisement. Is it also a competitive place as like uh, Meta and Google? Uh, early results uh, shows kind of similar trends. So we haven't seen anything different, but it's kind of too early to tell. We have to have at least, you know, 90 days of, of testing to figure out, you know, if, if this channel will work for us or if it does better than other platforms or if it's competitive or not. We don't know yet. So it requires at least like three months of testing to kind of see how, how it works. I understand. So now can I ask you more about some specific metrics on your paid advertisements? Yeah, sure. I'll share whatever I can. Um, you know, if the <laughs> okay. question comes up, that's kind of uh, private. I'll, I'll, I'll skip that one. <laughs> okay. So like now roughly what percent of your income, like revenue is spent on advertisements? Uh, percentage of revenue, I would say we like to stick to the 20, 25%. So, um, I, yes, I think that's, that's our full marketing budget. So it's not just paid media it also includes content creation, photographers, you know, anything that involves marketing, it's all in one budget. So we, we try to limit it to at least, you know, 20 to 25%. Um, in some cases it does go up, um, especially during the holiday season where everybody is trying to advertise and, and capture. Uh, more customers. So the cost of advertising increases, uh, click through rate increases as well. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's, it's good, you know, good to invest in during those times because conversion rate also is higher during the holiday season, just because yeah. mostly, most of the shoppers are kind of ready to buy. You just have to make sure you position your product at the right time to them. Yeah, I understand. And are you also working with some outside agencies on that, on marketing side? Oh, yes, yes. We've got, uh, how many? We're working with I would say six different agencies. Um, yeah. yeah, some is related to marketing, some is related to go 
conversion conversion rate optimization. Some is related to uh, design. Uh, some related to photography. Some is related to videos. It's it's a bunch of different. You've got to have multiple different agencies to work with in order to kind of uh, make sure you cover all aspects. And you do also have a team on your like in house that is working on marketing, right? Correct. Yes, absolutely. So you have a huge human force working on like bringing the sales, right? Bringing the revenue. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's not just revenue. Um, it's it's about building brand awareness. That's what we That's we're investing money in marketing, not to generate the sales, but also to yeah. to create the brand name, to make sure that we're in front of all customers. They they're familiar with the brand. They've seen it before. It, it kind of cre- creates confidence. So a customer today might not be ready to buy something for their house, but you know maybe like six, seven, eight months, one year from now. They might be looking to move to a different place, so they need new items, they need new products. So we want to make sure that we try as much as possible to pre- to be present everywhere to to make sure uh, you know we we get the right customers and also we reach the right buyers as well. Yeah, I understand. And like I'll be asking more about the metrics. So can you share a rough estimation of customer acquisition cost across various channels? Yeah, so it varies, honestly, um, it depends. So uh, two things depends on the product. It also depends on the category. It depends on the platform. So it okay. varies. Um, uh, the cu- customer acquisition cost varies based on the platform and the product itself. But it can be anywhere from $50 to $150. It depends on the, on the product. And which platform is the most expensive? Uh, I would say Meta is the most expensive. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Okay. And like you do bring your customers to your website, to your other platforms, you do create awareness, you do have the products and it's all set up. What are your strategies to convert sales on your website? Like you said, you're working with an agency for that, but what are your strategies? How are you optimizing your website for more sales? Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's kind of a little bit of secret formula that we have. Yeah. Um, yes, it's uh, something we've been working on for the last couple of months, but just now kicked off um, that we're making some changes um, mm. to the website, you know, adding the right data. Uh, I don't want to go into too much details, but we definitely have a winning formula in place that's also going to help us grow in the future, not just now. Okay, I understand. That's a secret. So I won't be asking <laughs> any more of that. Uh, okay, so let me ask you about Shopify apps. You're on Shopify. So what are the top three to five apps that you're using on a daily basis? So Klaviyo is definitely number one. That's for email marketing. You know, um, as you collect more data from customers through signups and, and, and offering discounts, you know, having their email address and, and phone number helps in, in both email marketing and SMS marketing. Um, so that's kind of like this is when your um, your acquisition cost kind of goes down once you collect customer information, right? So that's yeah. I, I, we place a lot of uh, effort into making sure our email marketing is is up to par, and we do work with an agency for that. But Clavio will be number one for sure. Um, what are some of the other apps that we work on? Uh, returns returns uh, app. There's multiple different returns app available. So early on, when we are uh, when we started Ozarki, we're kind of having customers to contact us via email to request a return or a replacement or exchange. So we automated that on our website. Customers just go in, put the order number, email, or zip code, find their order. You know, if they want to exchange it, they can exchange it. If they want to return it, they'll be able to return it directly from the portal. So having that has 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 reduced 
um, the pressure on customer service and made sure everything is more automated. Mm-hmm. So that's another 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 good uh, good app to have. Uh, what else? Um, I'm trying to think. Rebuy is a really good app to have as well for upsells. Mm-hmm. So we're using Rebuy for upsells and it's been working great for us. Um, I think those are the top three that I can think of right okay. now. Yep. Okay, okay, okay. So you mentioned Clavio, you do email marketing and what sort of content are you sharing with your uh, email list when you do email marketing? So a lot of it more, mostly inspiration, just kind of showing different angles of the product, place in different settings to kind of give people, you know, inspiration, how to use the product in their, in their homes. Um, mm-hmm. So that's one. Also new releases when we launch a new category or when we release a new product, we use SMS and email marketing to make sure we spread the word so that way customers are aware of this new product, you know, might fit what I need and they come in and then place an order. But yeah, mostly um, those two things we focus on. I understand. Mohamed, thank you for sharing these great insights. I know that <laughs> you are not really like volunteered to share some aspects of your business and it's totally understandable. Uh, but thank you for sharing these great insights. So we are coming to the end of this podcast. Is there anything else you would like to share with our audience before closing? No, um, you know, uh, just maybe one final note, uh, especially for people who are trying to get in e-commerce. Um, yeah. It's not an easy road. It's yeah, never it's, easy, you um, know. Uh, requires a lot of hard work, requires a lot of effort. And one of the most important things that um, we focus on in our company is that break as much as possible, but let's make sure we have a solution to fix it so that way it doesn't break again, you know? So mm-hmm. testing multiple different things um, and constantly always having the mindset of everything needs to be improved all the time. We're never going to be just uh, sufficient or satisfied where we're at right now. We're gonna want, we want to constantly improve, whether it's... Uh, email marketing, advertising, uh, products, you know, we're constantly in, in, the, in the mindset of improving uh, everything. So I think it's, it's key to kind of invest early on, but also to keep investing more and more and more to make sure that you're building something that's going to last, you know, I understand. 20 plus years, not just, you know, uh, right away, quick wins. Because a lot of people that get in e-commerce, they want to make money early on, right? doesn't work that way. Requires patience, requires the waiting game until you figure out the right winning formula. And they got frustrated once they like found out that this is not the way, this is not the way how the business is done in this domain, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, thank you for being here and sharing your great insights. And if you're looking for great home design products, visit Ozarki at uh, ozarki.com. And if you're wondering the tool stack Ozarki has, visit teachcivil.com. So again, uh, Ahmed, thank you and have a nice rest of the day.